Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. This week, my co-host, Kizzy Joseph, and I are speaking with Dr. Ramoya Simpson. Dr. Simpson has a passion for the welfare of veterans and travel. Both came as a result of her time in the military. She channels her concern for the welfare of veterans through her nonprofit organization, My Brother's House. My Brother's House is dedicated to providing safe, supportive housing and counseling services for veterans and their families. With residences in five states and the District of Columbia with additional houses planned, the organization strives to ensure that when our soldiers, airmen, sailors, and Marines return from serving our country, homelessness is not another battle they must fight. While in the military and afterwards, Dr. Simpson has traveled the world. She sees herself as a global citizen and currently is living and working from the Caribbean island of Grenada. Grenada is located between the Caribbean Sea and Atlantic Ocean. It's known for its spice exports and St. George's University, a private medical school and international university. She encourages others to look beyond geographical boundaries for opportunities and shares how, thanks to the magic of the internet, she's able to have the best of both worlds managing and building my brother's house while enjoying the warmth of her Caribbean community. It's a world of endless possibilities, open to everyone. Lamoya, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? How are you doing down there today? How's your weather? Oh, my God. On average, 82 degrees. So if you are on Facebook with me, Michelle, you can see it because I post pictures. I know. My morning walk, the property. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, uh Well, yesterday, I I think it had been warm, and yesterday we went back to winter for a day, and then I guess tomorrow it's supposed to be 70. So Kizzy is in um, New York, and it sounds like you've been doing about the same. Right, Kiz? Yeah. It's getting warm, but wow. not quite there yet. <laughs> How has um, navigating the pandemic been in Grenada? I know it's, you know, so different from, you know, Michelle and I are here in the U.S., but I'm just curious. Like, I hear um, stories from relatives, but I'm just curious about your experience, you know, navigating the pandemic in Grenada. What I find here is that the Ministry of Health or whoever's in charge, the government here, 
did a phenomenal job, jumped on, mm-hmm. jumped on it, told the citizens what to do, took control, uh, shut the island down, told people to stay home until they got a grip on this thing, and it is an amazing opportunity because I am actually hanging out like normal people, but of course I know mm-hmm. of the pandemic. I know the world. I know in the world, you know, we had this thing going on, but it's not as bad here. You know, it's mm-hmm. like people do the distancing. Everybody wears their mask. There's no pushback with that. People are, have a collectively agreed to do what they're supposed to do. The vaccine is here. I've been vaccinated. I've been vaccinated in here in Grenada. Wow. I haven't even gotten the vaccine wow. in America. I came to Grenada to get my vaccine. Mm-hmm. So wow. Grenada did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. I would say one of the uh, best countries in the Caribbean to actually have to wait out the pandemic. It's <laughs> Grenada. Wow. Uh, Barbados wow. is doing a good job. Those leaders, those leaders are doing great jobs. I, I mean, Grenada, I, would, I, I am just fortunate and just really feel um, truly blessed to just have chosen this place, not knowing anything was going to happen, because I started this project with my brother about 10 years ago. So, of course, I knew nothing was going to happen. It's just things just happened the way they did. And so we just completed it uh, in, uh, last November. Well, you know, we met, you know, uh, through a friend of mine, Nathan James, and we talked Mm -hmm. before about veterans. And I know that you started Mm -hmm. My Brother's House. And so Mm -hmm. how is that doing, and how are you managing your nonprofit while you're away? I know it's easier now with the Internet and everything, but what's, what's the scene like with My Brother's House? And you're getting... You know, you're able to get vaccinated. Different people are beginning to get vaccinated. But what about veterans? What are you hearing? Okay. What's actually happening, not what I'm hearing, what is actually happening is that they're vaccinating the senior vets first. Mm -hmm. My brother's house Mm -hmm. uh, is currently housing uh, service-connected. That also means disabled seniors. That's Mm -hmm. our... Our, one of our populations that's very um, fragile, and that that's the majority of the people that we house are senior veterans. Uh, we don't discriminate. We house everyone, women, LGBTQ, uh, everybody we house. However, seniors are our most fragile or one of our most fragile uh, populations. And so since we are housing seniors and the vaccine uh, is they're vaccinating our seniors first. So my brother's house seniors have all been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if I were back it? in the States, I could uh-huh. go back and do that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Wow. Well, I mean, how, how did you, was that a concern of yours? You know, as you knew you were going back and forth, did you have to take any extra steps to make sure, you know, that everything was in place or that, you know, veterans were there and in line and doing that. And were you getting that pushback from people who are, you know, just have, some people have concerns about getting the vaccine? Well, absolutely. You have ignorance. Um, Our veterans, one thing about the veterans, if uh, we're told to take the vaccination, if the doctor tells us to get vaccinated, we vaccinate. That's Mm. one thing about that population. Typically, uh, that's good and bad. Um, When it came to the opioid, which is another issue, that, again, is one of the more, uh, I'm going to say, less kind example of how uh, it's easy for veterans to just do what they're told. But in this case, it's not, it's not hard for the, the, them to roll out the vaccines and for the veterans to actually go and get them. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't been difficult mm-hmm. at all because they're vaccinated by 
um, by, I'm going to say, disability and age. Mm-hmm. The more fragile the person is, if you have diabetes, of course, you can get vaccinated first. If you're a first responder, of course. Um, so I could have gotten vaccinated simply because I, I founded the charity, and I'm one of those mm-hmm. people that they consider like a first responder because we have to check on people in the community. So mm-hmm. I, I was going to vaccinate there. I, I, that was my plan. Um, but when AstraZeneca sent the, you know, sent the vaccine down to Grenada, and I asked, well, I'm here. Can I vaccinate? They said, well, how long are you going to be here? And so as long as I'm staying here long enough to get the second shot, I was able to get vaccinated too. So I just jumped on it. Mm-hmm. So there, I'm running the charity. I'm sorry, because mm-hmm. I was going to answer all your questions. Apologize. No, no, go ahead. Finish. Okay, I'm running the charity just like we're having this conversation. Tell her mm-hmm. everything. Tell her help. Tell mm-hmm. her health. Tell her phone. <laughs> we're using the Internet. Mm-hmm. So uh, the charity was already established and set up. So the, the homeowners that want to allow me or that will allow – me to help veterans house in their uh, properties. We do that by Zoom. We have Zoom meetings. Um, mm. The case managers, of course, we're all working from home, so we're having those conversations also through Zoom meetings and, and telephone calls and conference calls. My own practice I have built up as well because I'm doing telehealth. So it's been a blessing uh, to be mm-hmm. online and to be able to still function and move forward. We are still housing our veterans. Our, our, our homes are growing now. Mm. However, before the pandemic and through the pandemic, we lost four homes and we lost mm. some veterans. We did lose some mm. through uh, depression. We lost them because it was mm. pandemic and, and being locked down was really difficult on a lot of people emotionally. And some of our vets couldn't take that. So we did lose a few veterans. Um, we did... Uh, decide not to keep the relationship with a few of the homeowners. Things were just changing. You know, life had changed for us. So the pandemic absolutely changed my brother's house as well. But we were, we went down, we went, we lost probably about, I'm going to say 60% of the property. But we've just gained 60%. So mm-hmm. we, what we lost, we just gained back, and that momentum is, is going, it's picked up, and I'm able to manage that from anywhere in the world, actually. I just have Do to you be think that the light that, you know, this pandemic has put on people who are underserved, uh, people who are vulnerable, people like uh, uh, veterans, senior veterans who may be disabled, do you think that the light that this, this pandemic has put on them has helped that rebound where you went from 60% down to 60% up? You know, yes, I do. Just to mm-hmm. answer it uh, simply and short answer would be yes, I do. Um, well, for, for not just veterans. I mean, we as, as global citizens, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. really struggled with this pandemic. So, and we, none of us really knew what to do or how to handle it. And, mm-hmm. I am so grateful right now that at one point I thought I was going to have to let the charity go because I was trying to figure out how am I going to manage this because, because I can't go to the house and visit with the guy. I can't go see them. So the first thing I did was I spoke to a dear friend who's a physician. I said, how are we going to do this? He said, you just have to keep yourself covered and wash your hands. That's it. Keep masks on and wash your hands. Just don't allow any germs to spread. I said, that's it? He said, that's it. And I said, okay, it's not like we're in large groups. Like I have a home with four veterans. I can manage that. Four 
uh-huh. fingers. And I can manage that. We sit around a big table, and we're all masked. So the first thing I did was I had someone make masks, homemade masks, mm. and type our website on it. And it says my brother's house. So they all, we all wear them. Yeah, so they can move around the community as well or around their home, uh-huh. around each other. Um, so what ended up happening is we really just, we really, and, and I find it, it's just veterans or, or military. We just do what we have to do. You know, and it's all about a mission. So my mission is to house veterans. And this pandemic hasn't stopped that mission. I thought it would, but I never knew. I, I didn't, when it first came, I thought it was going to be a problem that I would not be able to, in a sense, um, handle my mission. However, I just adjust to what I need to adjust to. And it's just it's so ridiculously crazy I'm getting more homeowners that want to rent to veterans how, because their income is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So now people are reaching out to us for those reasons. So we are picking and choosing. We're busy. Uh, Mr. James is on the ground there uh, holding it down. I'm just, I'm just doing what I need to do here until I get back. Um, and then we're looking for other people to help us out. But we haven't skipped the beat. And quite honestly, the veterans don't even know that I am not there. Wow. Well, before we switch on to your global citizenship, um, people, how, I want to always put it out there, how can people contact my brother's house if they're interested in, like you said, making a home that they have available, being involved? What's the best way for them to contact my brother's house? Mm Okay, the first thing that you can do, the best way, is simply to go on to the website, and that website is Emma, B-H-O-U-S-E dot org, M-B-House.org. That's the website. Mm-hmm. You can go there, get the information. My email is there. If you want to donate, there's a pay, you can donate through PayPal. Uh, that's, on that, that's on the page, the website as well. Um, or if you wish to call me directly, you can call me directly. My telephone number is 202-379-5571, and that's how you do it. Okay, that's great. Well, you know, and, and I will make sure that that information is up. Well, we're going to take our first break, and then we're going to get on your global citizenry because I think that's really important. <laughs> so, um, okay. I mean, more people should be thanking it. But anyhow. We'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. So, we're back. So, if you're just joining us, I'm speaking with Dr. Ramoya 
Simpson, and what we're talking about, I mean, you are not only the founder of My Brother's House, and you're running that, but you are now operating it pretty much virtually from another country. And with that, I'm going to let Kizzy take over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Amelia, um, Michelle was telling me during your time at the Army you were stationed in different places such as South Korea and Germany, and I just want to know what was your ex- experience abroad and how did that, you know, shift your worldview or perception in any way? Well, of course, you know, it absolutely shifted because I started out very young. I joined the military at 18, So my first time out of the country was I was 19 and I went to Asia. So in that country, what I realized at 19 that there were different people, different cultures, different things. And it, you know, I I immersed myself in it as much as I could. Uh, But being as conspicuous as I am as a African-American female, um, the culture wasn't as inviting uh, to Mm. me as it was to males. Uh, but that was okay because I was young. I didn't care. I was interested in just, you know, learning uh, the language well enough so that I could understand people and, and, and communicate. And then from there, um, I, and, this, and I was in the military, and so I got to work alongside of the Korean uh, soldiers. So that was a wonderful experience. You know, it, it broadened my mind and my horizons. And so from there I went to Europe. And then being there for mm, about – three years, again, another place, another culture, another country. The most profound part of this entire experience of being abroad was that it didn't matter that I was black as much as it mattered when I was home. And I hope Mm -hmm. that I'm not offending anybody. That's the most important thing Mm -hmm. I want to put out there. What I learned early in my life traveling around the world and being and living and actually living, I would say, even in, in different places, my passport said U.S. American, it said U.S. citizen. That was golden. It didn't say black woman. Mm-hmm. It didn't say that. Mm-hmm. And so what I enjoyed about that was I felt equal, not privileged, however equal. And going back to the States, <laughs> uh, that wasn't the same situation for me. Um, so that definitely shaped my, my perspective and it allowed me to want to see more places and travel more. So I did, I went from Asia to Europe, to Africa, South America. I I just wanted to see, I was just very, very curious. And I had decided after doing so after I'm going to say about 20 years, because I've just been back in the States about 20 years, about 19, 18, 19 years, because most of the time I spent uh, out of the country. And what I realized was coming back into the States and and dealing with certain, I'm going to call it racism, because that's just what it is. Call it? And dealing with, okay, I'm going to call it. And dealing with racism was just something I I just realized that I didn't have to put up with. But I didn't have to put up with it if I stayed away from America. However, mm-hmm. when I got back to the States, I had to put up with it. I, I, I did what, you know, you know, you go to school, you do this, and you go to work, 
I was still, it was still incredible to see that there were still firsts. Oh my God, you were the first black person to hold this position. Oh my God, you were the first black person to do that. And in living in different countries, I'm going to say in Asia, the people on the money, the Asian money were Asian people. Um, and um, Germany, you know, people on the German money, the people renting were German people. Um, and again, don't let me get this wrong. I don't get this wrong. There are different shades of people. There are black, brown people all over the planet. I want to put that out there. But in Africa, the people on the money look like the citizens. So when I saw that, it was just amazing. So, okay, the people on our money don't look like me. Okay, fine. But uh-huh. my money has value. Okay, fine. I'm understanding all of that. Okay, now we're trading currencies and things like that. But it was amazing to be in a country, the first, uh, I'm going to call it black country, was Ghana, and to be there and to have everybody kind of look like, you know, the doctors were all black, everybody was black. Mm-hmm. And the experience was phenomenal. The only thing for me was that uh, the different languages, the different tribal languages was very difficult to learn because there were so many. But nonetheless, the experience was amazing. As an American, it was an amazing experience. As a black woman, it was an amazing experience. Now, don't get me wrong. The culture is totally different than our culture. But mm-hmm. uh, I will take that in certain parts of the continent. In certain parts, I will not because there are certain parts where it's not about the culture. It is about your sex, your gender, and that's something different. That's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. So I decided I need to find a place to be once I get older. I, I, I knew that. I, I decided that's just what I needed to do. Um, and it was going to be Ghana initially. Um, then I went to uh, Kenya. I loved the continent. And then I, you know, was going to South America. I'm just trying to figure it out. And I met a contractor who uh, he and I became best, best of friends. It was, just, it was just fate. And he helped me manage my properties when I was in America. And he was from Grenada. And I had never heard of Grenada. I had never heard of it. And the more he spoke about it, the more I enjoyed it because I had been to the Caribbean islands, you know, Dominican Republic, uh, you know, different places that we go. Um, But this particular island was English speaking. They were, you know, I said, okay, I'll have to learn another language. (laughs) And they're black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I said, they're black. I said, what? Okay. He, and, he was a, and he really was an amazing ambassador to the country, not really understanding or realizing that I was taking in his country through him. He didn't, have, he didn't have a clue. He didn't know that was happening because he didn't know my background. You know? And so we became very good friends. So once I visited this country and I realized how close it was and I realized how strong my dollar was, and I realized I had a friend that was an amazing builder. That's all. I mean, that was my story. You know, I, I just said, you know, I'm here. I don't have issues with racism. I go up and down the street. I'm not worried about anyone pulling me over because I'm black. I don't have to worry about anyone hurting me because I'm black. Or if a black person is trying to hurt me, it's not, it's just the black thing, whatever. It's not, <laughs> we don't have those, mm-hmm. the same types of problems. If a police officer pulls me over, I must just feed it. You know, it's not because I'm black. And, I, I knew for myself, and I, and I do whatever I can for 
um, I'm going to say as an American, I, I do whatever I can to expose us to different things, but there's so many of us that will not do that. They, we, we're just going to be there. So I have to fight the fight while I'm there. So while I'm in America, yes, I fight the fight. Yep, Black Lives Matter. I mean, I, you know, I, and I'm housing veterans, um, and I make sure that when case managers bring me veterans, they bring me veterans of color. Don't just bring. I mean, I'm just. It's just. It's just my own way of giving back and trying to make things fair and keeping things fair in my eyes uh, from a system or being in a system that has been so grossly unfair to me and the people that have come before me. So. That's my piece of it. Um, I believe that if we, African Americans, if we were just to go out a little more, mm-hmm. don't believe the propaganda, don't believe the hype, if we really went out more, we would be like other citizens traveling around the world. We have people come to our country all the time, all the time, from different places. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for the money, I mean, for, you know, because, you know, maybe they can make more money or whatever, but I personally feel like, there are certain countries that, that have it, the right idea. I mean, Grenada has the right idea. I would never leave this beautiful island. But that's me. And I've traveled the world, so I know what I'm saying. And I know what's tough about it. I know that it's hard to get certain items. I know it's hard. However, I would rather be on this island and be a um, poor person, if I were to call it that, um, and be here versus trying to struggle in New York City, in Chicago, in San you Francisco, know- L.A., you know, you made a really important place because I can tell, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many of my friends don't have passports. And Most I of us met, don't. Thank you. And here mm-hmm. being, because I'm in Michigan, where we are right mm-hmm. across a bridge or a tunnel to Canada, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. met people who have, black people who have not even experienced well, that. Canada. And if you That's told cool. them, and when you talk to them about, you know, leaving here or possibly mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. a life somewhere else, that is just like so, you know, they just can't believe that. Why would you go there? Well, they won't speak. They're right. going to be different. And, right. you know, fortunately you were able to go, you know, um, to the military. I know a lot of mine came from mm-hmm. reading books and meeting people, but that is just like, so phenomenal that we still have in this day and age that we have Mm -hmm. black people who even the prospect Mm -hmm. of living in a country where they're going to see black people on their money and around Mm -hmm. is just Mm -hmm. like foreign to them. You know why? Because of that mental, that, that racist um, and that, that, that racism that has been beaten into us and our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents, that has been passed down. You know, not to all of us, not all of us. I mean, because, I mean, in my entire family, my entire family, I'm the only one who travels. What is it about? You know, my parents weren't afraid to go. I mean, they would go to North Carolina. That's their travel. Mm-hmm. My, great, my grandparents didn't go anywhere. My great-grandparents didn't go anywhere. They're just, you know, we're not going to do this. And, you know, during the uh, civil rights movement, they're saying go back to Africa, blah, blah, blah. Um, that would maybe we should have taken that trip. But you have to understand, when you watch and believe what they show you, the, the media is controlled by certain class of people. So what information that you receive from the media, if you don't research out, research it yourself, 
or try to gain more knowledge on your own, then you'll believe that black people are running around in Africa, hanging in trees and doing all this old bull crap. You'll, you'll believe that. You'll believe that. You know, I still have people asking me, I said, you know, an African person, you got you see them and they're everywhere. Oh, but do they have, like, have trees and whatever? I said, do I look like I climb a tree? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, no, it's so ridiculous to where it pisses me off. It really just, distur- it's disturbing. It's really disturbing, you know? And so I am so glad that we have uh, the internet because wherever I am, I, I take pictures, I send them back. Um, and for me, I think that the most important thing, I think we should all have dual citizenships. Mm. If we mm. just did yeah. that, I mean, just dual or triple citizenship or whatever, uh, do you know how, how relieved or how much stress you would feel to know that if you, you don't have to, I don't have to worry about being homeless in America. I don't. I don't. Because I know I can go to Ghana. My, my, my brother will send for me. I can go to Ghana and go home. Uh, I have a dear friend brother down here. I can, he can send for me and I can come down here. See, when you have some place to go, then feeling homeless is, is you don't carry that as a stressor, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Mm-hmm. And we have enough stressors. We have enough. But me feeling homeless on this planet is not one of mine. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what you're saying, Amelia, is so important because, you know, travel is so liberating, especially for black mm-hmm. people and you know we we mm-hmm. miss out when we're so focused on you know getting through the nine to five you know feeding the kids and we, we miss out mm-hmm. on so much just trying to focus on survival in this country in america when you know it's such a freeing experience to be around you know especially in a black country where you know, we're around mm-hmm. people that look like us. There's this collective mm-hmm. acceptance and understanding. It's, it's just like we're able to let that guard down, that stress. And I, you know, can only mm-hmm. imagine what it, you know, felt like for you being, you know, on the continent in Grenada. And speaking of Grenada, your first trip, when was that and what was that like in Grenada? My my first trip was about eight years ago. It was about eight years mm. ago. And um, it, was, it was so exciting. It was liberating, and I found my place. Even if I didn't have this, even if I was unable to build my property here, I was going to rent something because I was going to be here because I found it easy. It, it's easy to live here. You know, like I said, I don't have to learn a language. People look like me. I can walk up and down. It's just dark at night. Nobody's bothering anybody. It's, it's freeing. In Grenada, the country, the people here, everybody's working. You know, you have different classes, but it's still, it's not like, uh, I don't, I haven't had a problem. I'm, I don't hang out where there are people that, where I feel afraid. Now, I have to be honest, there are different countries and different places where I feel afraid. And America is one of them and different cities and different states where I feel afraid. Uh, and New York is one of them. And so I go to different places. I mean, Nigeria, that's another country where I'm afraid. Um, so there's different things about it. And for this country, now, to get over the fact that the fear part, because you have to be careful, you really do, 
But this is one of the safest countries that I've ever lived or visited in my entire existence as a black mm-hmm. woman traveling by myself because I've always traveled on my own. I've never had a relationship. I've never had a partner or anybody to travel with. It just never, it just never worked out that way. I would travel and I'd leave my partner home and then I would travel and, and I've always done that. And I would always say, Oh, I'm going to live out of the country. Oh, I'm building this house. And that is something that I did. And I always did it on my own. Even my partners, they didn't just couldn't understand that. It just, they weren't able to relate. And so people were saying, you know, why don't you date white people? And I'm sorry to say, I'm, I'm sorry to say, no, because every time I go someplace, they're here. White people mm-hmm. are here. White people are here. They're in Grenada. They're in Kenya. They're in Ghana. Mm-hmm. They're speaking the language of the tribes the children are. And we're not even trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there's a reason for that. Um, so my being here has, I mean, I'm sitting here at my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't know. I don't even go into it a lot. I just don't. I, I post pictures to educate my family, my nieces and nephews. And that's why I post pictures for them to see it. But I'm noticing a lot of people are following the pictures. So I'm inviting people to make the experience. And if I can invite someone to make the experience, if I can help have a, a, a person get a passport or want to get a passport and come down here and just make the experience, then I feel good about that. I feel good about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we really knew, if we really, really knew the value in having that passport, we would all have it. Mm-hmm. You know, you said something mm-hmm. else that, that is interesting, too, about language, because I know that mm-hmm. as recently mm-hmm. as during the inauguration, I had someone who was black, who was critical of Jennifer Lopez, and said she spoke Spanish. That's not mm-hmm. our language. And I'm kind of mm-hmm. you know, English is not our language. It <laughs> you know, sure is not. But the fact that, you know, well, yeah, we have it, but the fact also that other than issues, well, I, never, I don't really need to know any other language than mm. English. Mm. And I'm going like, do you know how much of the world you have cut off? Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. But that's what we feed into. We, America is the best. America is right. America, America. See, that's what I said. When you are feeding into the propaganda, when, you're, when you're, your information is controlled, you receive that. We're the best. We have the best army in the world. We receive that. So we have young women and men running out there thinking that we have the best army in the world and we're killing other people and everybody, everybody else's world, everybody is wrong. Everybody's religion is wrong. Everybody, this is wrong. However, our country is a country where you are supposed to be free to be anything, practice any faith, speak any language. That's supposed to be the country we live in. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, You're right. You speak, there's a joke. If you speak three languages, then you are, what what is it? What are you when you speak three languages? How many lingual? Trilingual. Mm-hmm. Right. If you speak two languages, what are you? You're bilingual. If you speak one language, what yeah. are you? American. American. <laughs> right. So, so, and so you have to understand the world is so much smaller when you can communicate with other people. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the what I love about the internet is that now you can really be as as you can really speak so many languages because the programs 
can can change over, you know, my, I mean, I can speak German, but I can really speak German now because I can log in or I could change and have the translation on my phone go from English to German and proper German, mm-hmm. you know, so I can speak different languages. And I think, and I think people should take advantage of that. And I think our young children are the ones that are going to that can see that. They're the ones that are taking advantage. I've got a, a kid that's hanging out with friends in Japan. He doesn't speak the language, but he, they, they're communicating. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I think that's a good thing, How, and, I, and I'm hoping things get better for us. But during my time, during your time on the planet, I can just do the best I can, um, ex, expose people. Most people do not want to be exposed, and therefore I don't waste the energy there. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, just, it's just what it is. It's just what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is so crazy. So you, you, hit, you, you hit Granada and you were, like, in love, right? It was, was it everything Absolutely. that the guy had told you, you know, the fellow that you met, that he, he told you it met all of your expectations? It exceeded my expectations. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have enough land, we have enough fruit trees, we have, uh, and it's not, it's, uh, I would say the property is probably maybe, um, maybe a, a quarter of an acre, but, you know, the house sits on half of that, and with the fruit trees, the garden, I mean, I am eating something called, now you're from Grenada, yes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I have salsa. It's called salsa, this fruit that helps with blood pressure and cancer and all kinds of things. Mm. My brother grows it. And so Mm. he takes it, he peels it, he freezes it. So my morning smoothies have salsa, have pow pow, which is, I I, I call it, um, uh, what is it? Um, What's that fruit? What's pow pow? it's because um, what's the pow pow? It's the same. It's the same. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I don't know about hello. Sour Is it Yeah. Sour Yep. Pow pow. Pow tastes it to me. It reminds me of a um. Oh, what is that fruit? It's a tropical fruit. It's not coming to me now. It'll come later. Nonetheless, I put that in some almond milk. Have a four cubes of ice. I crush it up in my smoothie, and that's what I drink. I've mm-hmm. been here the first month and a half. After the first month, I I stopped taking the uh, high blood pressure medication. Mm. Wow. I stopped taking the medication. I'm sitting down here. People, a lot of people down here don't take all these white little tablets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we take, you know, we're so inundated with the um, pharmacy, the prescriptions. The it's just it's just crazy. That, you know, you can't watch a show without a commercial telling you that you may have these symptoms and you call your doctor about this, this, blah, blah, blah. People here don't take it. There there are no pills to take, really. They just, you know. uh, Yeah. I don't know. So medical, like, I mean, you know, you said that you got the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. The medical setup, is it vastly different, I'm sure it is, than what you were used to in the United States? Yes. Um, what I do, what I have as an American, I have a medical program where I have the insurance. The insurance that I have will fly me to Miami. That's what I use. Uh, Grenada is an island that has medical, a medical 
uh, school, university. That's a really, it's a, it's a, it attracts people from all over the world. So this is, this is really um, an amazing piece too, because you have doctors training future doctors. So the, the, what's available to you as far as the science, the medical science, it's, been, it's fantastic. It's top notch. And they have, they house, I mean, not they house, they train physicians and send them back out to wherever they're going to live throughout the world. Uh, but that's what I'm known for. They're St. George's, their medical school. One of the big things they're known for, the medical school, the spices as well, but the medical school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you send your kids down here, let them go to medical school, then let them return to New York or, or to the States for three years of residency, and then they're a doctor without the crazy, crazy loans. Yeah. So my medical, my, yeah, so what I do is I, you know, I stick to my friends. I eat from the land like they do, you know, uh, I, I, I'm monitoring things because I'm on high blood pressure, medication, diabetes pills, and I'm on all of that stuff. But I monitor my, my, my stuff here, and I, I try to change a little bit so I don't eat as much starchy or sugars or, or carbs. Um, things are grown in the garden, um, and it's just a better way to live here. It's just a better way to live. And if I have to stay down here by myself because, you know, people are not coming. I don't have any person here. I don't have a family member, no one. And I just told my nieces, you know, when something happens to auntie, just come get me. <laughs> something happens. Because interestingly enough, yeah, so I'm here. I'm, a, I'm here by myself, but I'm here with the family that, I, that I've adopted and who's adopted me. And it's just amazing. So I will stay here three to six months out of the year, and I'll be in the States three to six months out of the year. hmm Mm-hmm. Until I totally the, transition down here. And speaking of the people that have adopted you, that you've adopted, how has it been finding and creating community in Grenada? Oh, it's been simple. It's been easy because the person I met, he was from Grenada, and he already had established. You know, he's down here with his family. So when I met him, it's really easy to get to know people because one thing about Grenada, what I love, is when there's something that happens, and this is an interesting, I'm not sure if you know this, if somebody does something, the Grenadian people are going to tell. If you're in New York City, this is a major difference, maybe even Minneapolis somewhere, someone gets robbed or whatever. If you get robbed in New York, nine times out of nine, nine times out of ten, no one's going to know, no one's going to tell, no one's going to come for it. No one's just going to do it. They're just going to mind their business. They turn the other cheek or the other eye. Here, everybody's kind of looking after each other. And that's a very safe, also a way to feel safe. Everyone's looking after each other. If someone does something to me or comes to my house, there's kind of somebody looking. And they will tell. So the, the crime rate here is just, like, it's very low. I mean, there is crime because that's just what it is. That's the nature of man. Um, but it's very safe here. So community is, is number one. We're all looking out for each other. We're all socializing together, even through pandemic, even though we're spacing ourselves out a little more, again, we're still socializing. And so now you know me, and when I go to a party, now I know everybody at the party. So that opened up my, 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 my world of friends. And then if I go somewhere else, and then if you need me to do something in America, now you know me and all the people that I know and contacts that I know in America. It's a way to network. It's networking. That's what I call it on a natural, in a natural way. But most cultures do that anyway. 
Uh-huh. It's very simple to be here, yeah, and, and meet people and just network. If you're if you're a good person and you meet good people, that's just what it's going to be. Yeah, so it's know, been really easy to answer your question. Uh-huh. You know, and I have found that sometimes too in traveling places, it's sort of like, especially where there are a lot of black and brown people, that sense of uh-huh. community and people, you know, oh, welcoming. Uh-huh. If you're talking uh-huh. to them. They talk to you. You know, the things yeah. that they, they mm-hmm. concern, mm-hmm. they're concerned about, the environment, uh-huh. uh, their kids, oh, yeah. you know. The and, children. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that is, like, really important. You know, you, you it's easy to fit uh-huh. in if you want uh-huh. to. Community. Now, uh-huh. mm-hmm. now, if you want to go there and be the ugly American, yeah, you know. But if you're going uh-huh. and looking for community, these are uh-huh. people who are welcoming you. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. I think that's that that's right. One of the things that, that I think that made me is when Kizzy was telling me about her grandmother and like she's in mm-hmm. dancing contests and you see her with these people who are mm-hmm. around, you know, and it's mm-hmm. so it's you know, hey, at ninety, I wanna be in a dancing contest with a community that's gonna look after me. Yeah. That's right. But you have to think about where you are. I mean, is mm-hmm. that possible there? And that's mm-hmm. what you have to think about. And some people don't have vision. We're not visionary people. Some people are not. I know for a fact that I could stay in that country and be treated that way because I also realized traveling, uh, traveling around, I realized that every, you know, America doesn't necessarily have it right when it comes to black and white people. Mm-hmm. Not black Americans anyway. So America doesn't really have it right. They didn't get that part right. And we're still suffering and we're still struggling with that. But other countries where the black people, they don't care if you're black, that's an amazing experience. See, the problem that we have is that as African-American people, we don't know what it feels like just to, be, to feel fair. We don't know what that feels like at all. We have no idea of that feeling. And that's one thing I really want people to understand. You have no clue of what it feels like to be someplace and not feel racism because of the color of your skin until you get out and experience that. And when you do go to a, a, a black, a dark country or a black country, a black and brown country, when you experience that, that is how white people feel every day. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to feel that way. We talk about it. We march on it. We do whatever, but we don't know what that feels like. We really don't know. And I say that to people because they, and they don't get what I'm saying. And I hope you can get what I'm saying. It's a feeling. You don't know what uh-huh. that feels like. Uh-huh. You've not experienced that. If you're a black person in America, you don't know what that feels like. Uh-huh. I don't care if you're rich. I don't, it doesn't have, it has nothing to do with being class. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, ma'am. Uh-huh. No, it has everything to do with you being black. And people will always point that out. Why do white people always say, I have black friends? Who asked you? I didn't ask you that. Uh-huh. That's just how we are. You know, we weren't raised like that. We don't see color. Well, who brought it up? Why are you bringing it up now? We, we, we're talking about something else. Why are you bringing up color? Yeah, you mm-hmm. were raised that way. It's, it's, mm-hmm. in a, it's in the fabric of our society. You don't see it, but you see it. You know, really. It's in the exactly. Of mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take our, our, our second break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about the real, you know, I mean, because it's one thing to say, oh, I want to, you know, you did it. You packed up and, you, and, you, and you're there. You're there part of the year. I want to talk about what, what, what that really is like. 
So we'll be right okay. back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and we're talking to Dr. Ramoria Simpson, who has her, I mean, well, you sort of have your foot in both worlds, you know, part of the year there. And I know what you mean, because often when I tell people, you know, when they say, well, what do you mean, you know, you're going to move someplace, I said, there's something about where, you know, the people who are running things and who are doing things and who are your neighbors and who are living there are black and brown, you know. And, mm-hmm. it, and, it, and it isn't, you know, it isn't. I said, I've even gone places mm-hmm. where, you know, English wasn't the first language, that Spanish mm-hmm. was the language, but you know what? As I was struggling with it or working with it, they understood. And it was like, well, let me help you say this a little bit better. And it was just right. that immediate sense of community. So Exactly, exactly. So you've had 10 years planning this, <laughs> okay? Well, I didn't know it would take this long. I mean, I, I've been planning to live out of the I came into the country planning to move out of the country, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I came back home, I realized I left for a reason, and I was so glad to be exposed to the different countries. I, I was glad for that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I came in, and it took 10 years. to. It, took to, it didn't take 10 years for me to be exposed to all of this. It took 10 years for me to build a property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To build my home or to co-build it, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what took that took I don't know eight years. Yeah, eight, 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 about eight years. We talked about it. I talked about it about ten to twelve years ago, but it didn't come to fruition or start being uh, built until about I think eight years ago. Yeah. So um, I just finished it in November, and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So uh, okay. I had to ask a question. Sure. Y'all drive on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) No, they drive on the right side for here. (laughs) How how, how long did it take you to get used to that? I used to live in, I used to be in Germany. So Mm -hmm. therefore England has the same style. England, Uh Japan, it's Mm -hmm. the same. So it doesn't, it's not hard. It's just, you're on a different side. So all you have to remember really is stay to the left. If you remember to stay to the left, you'll be fine. Like in the States, you stay to the right. Mm-hmm. Over here, you stay to the left. And then you stay behind the car that's in front of you. And if you get confused, yeah. just pull over and wait for someone to pass you. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, as you get older, of course, we're more careful because sometimes as we're older, we're, we're thinking and we're overthinking things. And, you know, I overthink things. I'm like, wait, man, I'm on the right side. Wait, 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 wait. But, you know, you're not driving so fast. It's a small island. You don't drive so fast. I mean, the kids drive fast, but it's not like 
you're in Minneapolis. What's the major highway? Is I does I eighty go through there? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like I eighty. And you're in New York, so you got I ninety five and all that. Uh-huh. It's not like that. It's people, like that. people are flying down at, at 80, 80 miles per hour. You know. Yeah. People, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's a different pace. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. It's a different mm-hmm. pace. When you when you it can get that's a big deal. It can mm-hmm. get scary though with like you know the driving and Grenada is very mountainous, hilly, and it's just like the idea that like you're just driving and there's like a cliff on the other side. I've always been very scared of that, so I I commend you with the driving. Okay, that's I something can, I could never. Well, I mean, if you've never gone out, like again. My experience has been that when I first started doing this, I was very young. That's my experience. Mm. So, yeah, I drove in London. Yeah, I did that. Um, I was in Japan. Yeah, I did that. So for me to come here and see it, it's just nothing, it's nothing that's different. I'm older. Mm. However, I'm just more careful. Um, but that's it. And you would be fine. You can do it. You'd be fine. And you say <laughs> cliffs and things like that. I mean, even in Kenya – yeah, you can see it. It's beautiful. There's certain safety bank, uh, bar, like you have the safety, um, you, the railings and things like that. Yeah, you have some safety railings, and then some you don't. So my thinking, my thing is like this: the driver is actually always in the middle of the road. So if you're driving, you're not the one closest to the cliff. So you know the passenger is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just, it's just how you think. It's just, it is really how you think about it, and that's one thing that's mm-hmm. real important too. It's how you think. Your body will move as your mind does. If you're telling yourself, oh, "I would be afraid of that," yeah, you're gonna be afraid of it. You just say you're right. But the thing is, it's so affordable here that I can hire someone to drive me someplace. I can get on a bus and go all around the island. It's so affordable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have friends, you have community, and of course you hook up with your community, and you have you know people take you around. One of the things it's that easy I to live here. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I noticed from your pictures, that I think, is wonderful, is you're able to oh, okay. walk. You know, you're able oh, to I walk a lot. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, here we're all caught up in cars, but I gather they mm-hmm. are cars aren't a big as big a deal as it is in the state. Well, it's interesting because there are no sidewalks here. So you'll kind of walk in. You share the road. Everybody's on the same road. Big truck, little truck, small cars, and people. You share the road. So you, you just walk. And I don't do my exercise on the main road. But you see people walking. They go to work. They, they, they walk. And I love that part of it because I can exercise, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, as a diabetic, uh, I just want to be able to exercise. And I walk a lot. I walk a lot. It's it's just, it's just, um, you know, it's it's something that helps you focus my mind. It clears my mind, and it keeps my body uh, moving. The things that we need to do anyway. You know, I can't walk up in Minneapolis. It's too cold up there. I'm scared to be up there. I can't. I can't do it. My fingers hurt. My feet hurt. I just can't do it. I'm looking at the stuff outside. I'm just not going out there. I'm going to wait until the spring. <laughs> So yeah, and that's such a unique experience for black people being abroad. Like there's this 
more intimate relationship to the land, like just as how you mentioned, you just being able to walk freely, you know, just mm-hmm. for your health, for your mental mm-hmm. health, for your physical health, oh my and God. just, you know, access mm-hmm. to nature. And we black people mm-hmm. don't really have that in the United States. So, you know, it's, it's just, again, beautiful to have that free access to land and from the food that, mm-hmm. you know, that you can grow yourself and eat, you know where it's coming from. There's no chemicals. It's just, mm-hmm. there's so much freedom and, and agency when you're abroad. You know, also what's interesting, I can walk into neighborhoods where the homes are million, have million-dollar views. When I say that, I mean mm-hmm. the views are themselves worth $1 million. Uh, so the, anyway, that means they're beautiful homes, they're big homes, and I can walk through the neighborhood and no one is staring at me. The woman who comes out on the porch looks like me. Morning, 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 good morning, good morning. And still, what's interesting, guys, white people still have the same experience. White people have the same experience in America as they have, and they have the same experience here in different countries. Mm-hmm. They know what it is to be privileged. They know what it is to feel that way, and they go anywhere and they feel that way because we don't make them feel not uh, welcome. We don't make them feel like they, they're second-class citizens. We don't make them feel that way. But I just love the fact that I can walk all over this place, everywhere, and just feel safe. Mm-hmm. No one's going to come out and try to ask me, what are you doing here? I don't mm-hmm. have, you see those things that you just don't have to even think about? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think about that. Mm-mm. And that's the way we need to live. We would, be, we would live longer and healthier if we just didn't live there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and I often tell people, you know, you should think about it. And, I, I mean, most people look at me like, you know, what? You know? But what are things that people, from your experiences, would you tell them to really consider if they're thinking about making this move? What are things that they need to really think about? Well, I would think about... Okay, plan. First of all, where are you in your life? It depends. Like I said, now if you're in your 20s and 30s, that's one thing, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I would tell people to think about, like, their budget. For example, uh, I could give you an example for different age groups. I have a friend who's 60. She just turned 60. I said, okay. She said, well, I'm disabled, disabled, but I only make this amount of money. I said, well, where are you going to live in America on that amount of money and be comfortable? She's living on 1700 U.S. dollars. I said, girl, you better go to Grenada. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Multiply that times 2.67, okay? So you got 35 and you add another 850. You got 4300 blah, blah, dollars per month that's coming into you. Find a place down here, rent for 1500 EC. 1500 EC is $600. First of all, your budget. Find a way to um, make sure that you can, because you can manage here. You can't manage in the States. So I would tell people to, to, to make sure that they understand the currency and the difference and understand what, what that, the power in that. Now, if you're young and you want to get away, well, first of all, technology. If you're tech savvy, I would say to anybody, Find something to do online. Mm-hmm. Find it online. You can teach mm-hmm. online. You can do anything you want online. You can and apply to American companies and to British companies. 
get hired from an online whatever, and then live in Grenada. You would have a much better life. I'm, 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 I'm that person. I have a counseling practice. Mm-hmm. And my counseling practice, I make so much more because I multiply my dollar per hour, however they should, to times 2.67. So, I mean, and another thing, you know, my home is paid for. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have anything to pay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so find out what your standard of living is. Visit other places uh, and, and budget. Don't be afraid. Definitely do not be afraid. You already know how it is to live in America. You know what that's like. You know the struggles. You know the strengths. You know the ups and downs. Try something else to give yourself something to compare it to. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell people anymore. You know, come on, listen, uh-huh. visit me. You can come visit. You can come visit. You can come and visit anytime you want. If I'm here, come on down and visit. Yeah, if you need somebody to know. Uh-huh. Especially now, like you said, like if you, have, if you can do something that you can do online, I mean, that really oh opens the world up to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially in light of, you Absolutely. know, the pandemic and remote work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 I cannot afford to live in New York City. And when I say that, I mean richly. I mean richly. I go to the store. There is not really any good food for me to eat at that store. I may go to Whole Foods. I, I'll try to go, you know, to a store where they can get some good food. But by the time I try to get that, and the cost of it is out of this world. So I go to a bodega and maybe grab mm-hmm. a pack of cookies or grab some pack of something, some processed piece of something, just to eat, just to move around. And that's what people, I, I, really people need to think about that. Um, and I think people need to visit being uh, like dual citizenships. Just go somewhere else and, and just try it. Yeah. Even down south. Down south, my parents, they had property, and, and uh, my grandparents had farms and things like that, but the struggle was being black down there. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But at least I understood that if I ate from the earth, I would live longer. So mm-hmm. I just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of ended up here. <laughs> now, did, did you have to establish dual citizenship? I haven't done anything yet, mm-hmm. but I'm going to. I'm going to, start, I'm going to establish residency. I'm trying to decide if I want to establish dual citizenship with one because, you know, Ghana's offering that, and I have friends and family there. Uh, Grenada can offer, will offer residency, you know, so I just have to decide what I'm going to do, but I'm definitely going to establish residency here. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the difference? between residency and citizenship? Citizenship means I would be a Grenadian and I would have a Grenadian passport, like mm-hmm. a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. Resident, but I'm just a resident. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a Grenadian citizen. Mm-hmm. Right, Kizzy? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> I don't have dual citizenship, <laughs> citizenship, but I have been thinking about it. I think I will definitely get it at some point. I think you should. Were you born in America? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you're, you know your family's from Grenada. I would definitely get a yeah. relationship if I were you. Yeah, both my It opens up the world for your there. child. Don't you have a child? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that opens up the world for her, two places to go. Because yeah. it might get tough for her as a little black 
girl to a black woman in there, maybe she can come home and it might, might be a little easier. Mm. Yeah, you know, that also reminds me just the importance of generational wealth, and that doesn't even have uh-huh. to be mm-hmm. in terms of, like, literal assets, but just in terms of, like, just knowledge about, you know, financial literacy, mm-hmm. like, all of that is so much easier or, you know, a bit easier, I assume, when you're abroad and you just have more resources and just, you know, what you're doing is amazing because you have this vision. I think, you know, us as black people, we're so stuck in the survival mode that, you know, we have to think beyond, okay, what do we envision for our families, for you know, our generation for us as a collective. And again, I've, I've seen so many black people moving abroad uh, throughout this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, seen black women moving mm-hmm. to Mexico and they're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, how amazing and liberatory their experiences is. So, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. definitely exciting what, to see what the future will be like, you know. Absolutely. So be a part of it. You know, it, mm-hmm. be a part of it. We can sit and watch the future. Hold it to be a part of it. And it is very liberating. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very liberating. And it's, like I said, again, I can't, I can't stress it. Um, some people have vision, some people don't. And you don't have to have vision. However, just go and see for yourself. And one thing you made, to your point, we have to live in our nine to five. You could even have vision, but just no money. You just can't mm-hmm. get there. You're barely making it to the next rent payment. You're barely making it. You can have this, and that is another thing that stresses us out because we can't move like we may want to, and that's a stressor. Mm-hmm. And so you feel stuck, and that, that's a stressor on you, the relationship between you and your child, you and your mate, you and your family, because, you know, you just know you, you're not supposed to be there. There's something else, and there is. There definitely is. The world is not that big, especially now we have the uh, – the internet, and I believe the pandemic was an absolute reset button. That's how mm-hmm. I look at it. That's what I say mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. All if you can all. manage to get through it, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, my heart goes out to people that were lost because we lost about half a million people. So my prayers, my heart goes out to the families. But it was a definite reset button for those of us that made it through and that are still surviving it. So what are you going to do? Do we really need to be out there working on those roads? Do we really, does that traffic really be that, need to be that high? Do we really need to be, you know, killing our, our, our atmosphere with all these car fumes? We shut down. People shut down. People weren't going as much. The world slowed down, and we, we're still functioning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's just, I, I, Every time, you know, when you talk to people and you did it, and that's why I thought it was so important to, to have you there because people go like, oh, that's just on TV. You don't want to do that. But to see the people, black people, are really doing this and that these are, these are options for us because, like I said, I know people who where their whole world is like, you know, a, a five-square-block area where they live. And it's like, it. no. No, there's so mm-hmm. much more, not only for yourself, mm-hmm. but for your children and their children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. All of my children, if I had children, would have gone to school abroad. I would have sent them all to boarding school abroad. 
And why do you leave your kids? You just like, you're doing this to me. I'm like, listen, no, I'm not doing a disjustice to my uh, a disjustice to my children. I'm educating them. That's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. If I can't do what I need to do for her, him here, then I can pay for this there. That's what I can afford. Mm-hmm. And I've watched people do that. White people send their children to Europe for school. Why? Because it's free. Do you know that you can go to university in Germany for free? No, I did not know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not free. know that. Okay. Okay. Go, you, can go, you can go to the university. If you're under 30 years old, you can apply for school in Germany, and you don't have to pay for your education. It's a socialism system. Mm-hmm. Canada is socialism. Mm-hmm. You don't have mm-hmm. to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're struggling, and then we, oh, if you don't pay for college, no, 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 no. People go to school on scholarships. They go to school in different countries, and different countries like Germany have enough space for American students because we're privileged students. We're privileged foreigners, I would say, you know, and you can go to school for free. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are riddled in debt by the time we get out of school. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Right. I still right. have a student loan. I'm 56. What do I need? A student loan? When is that about? about? Uh (laughs) That's for another conversation for another day. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that definitely definitely is. I mean, you know, I mean, there's so many things that you see and that people will talk about. I mean, I was telling someone Mm -hmm. else, I was was out of the country. uh, I was actually, where was I? I was on vacation in St. Martin. Got Mm -hmm. sick. Went to see a doctor. I think it was $10. They gave me a prescription. And when mm-hmm. I came back here to get the prescription, they said, oh, no, we can't give you that. And I said, they could give me something that was like 10 times more. And the whole mm-hmm. thing was, I said, was, well, you know, ours are FDA. And I said, is it different? I mean, is it going to do anything more for me than this? Well, yeah. no. And I'm going like, <laughs> you know, yeah, well, then, yeah, I should go back there. But it, the whole thing. Right. you think about it. It was a totally right. different experience with health care. You know? That's right. And you think about that FDA approved and the big opioid addiction. The FDA approved opioids. And we have a yeah. – our system is it's just ridiculous. The FDA approved it, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you see – I mean, then you go back and you see how the FDA approved it and then how – well, pharmaceutical companies knew what they were doing, you know, but, hey, you get it. And then the doctor, it's just like such a, an, don't get me on that soapbox, you know. Okay, but, that's, but a, that's another conversation. Another conversation. <laughs> well, I'll mm-hmm. tell you, you know, um, mm-hmm. Kizzy was down there. What, how, how many years ago was it that you were down there? Um, 2017, I think. No, 2018, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, oh, it's, a couple it's years been ago. three years okay. since I've been, yeah. And, you know, okay. and, she, and she showed me, and then she showed me, I mean, and the, and the pictures of her grandmother, I mean, you know, um, I mean, to be wow. 91, feel safe, and mm-hmm. to be out mm-hmm. dancing and enjoying her life, I said, you know, uh, I mean, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. That, I mean, they got, that's, that's the right way. She got it right. That's right. I understand yeah, no, why people go out as young people to make money. I understand you go out, you go to America, you make money. But my thing is, go back home when you're done. Take that and go back home and live your life. You cannot keep up with New York as an older person. You can't keep up in the States with all the rules. You buy a house, you pay for the house, the house paid off. You can't pay the taxes, they take your house. You can't, unless you just, you know what I mean? 
people don't, it's just the, the, the system, there's so many things about it that I don't like. Uh-huh. But anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, community is so important, as you were saying, Amalia, because, you know, my grandmother is, is 91 years old. She's a widow. Her husband mm-hmm. passed away almost 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's just being mm-hmm. supported by my uncles and you know Uh during her lifetime she raised children who weren't hers children who didn't have parents Uh or in the community and it's Uh so wonderful to see how loved and cared for she is like they're they're giving back to her because she's done so much and you know that's really a loving wonderful uh, wonderful feeling that you know I wish oh my god again people were more open to Right, and in America, what do we do with our seniors? What do we do with our old people? Yep. Put them in a home. Uh-huh. That's what we do. Yeah. We put them somewhere so they can die. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Put them somewhere so they can die. about them, you know. That's yeah. good. Yeah. 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 So there's so many things. Hopefully, kids, you're young. So hopefully you see this thing and, and you see that, you know, your world is open and you try to make uh, choices that, because you have a responsibility to yourself and to your daughter now. Just make the best choices you can, and to anybody, make the best choices you can for yourself and your family. Look at the system as for what as what it is, but realize it's not the only thing. America is not the end all. It, it is not. It's not. It's not. You know, some things about our system is wrong. So either we get in there to change it, or we have a plan B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Hi, Michelle, you got to come down. Hey, you know, my only question is, can I bring my cat? <laughs> you, can, you can bring your cat. As long as you can bring her through the um, the system, she would have to quarantine just like you would. But you can, sure, you can bring anything you want. Absolutely. Well, I'm packing now, girl. Watch out. I'm here. You know, shoot. You just You know, you're keeping up with what your passion is, taking care of veterans, but you're taking care of oh, you yeah. too. And I mean, that, that, that's, that's what it's about. Do what you love and, you know, love what you do. Yeah. That's right. And it's not about money. Trust me, it's not about money. Because you don't have to make a lot of money to be happy. You really don't. You've got to make some, but you don't have to make a lot to be happy because money does not make you happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm telling you. Well, you know, I'm going to be watching <laughs> your pictures. I'm going to be watching your pictures. <laughs> I'm going to be sending some I, I, more. Okay. You know, get, my, get my badge ready. Now, well, Ramoya, I want to thank you so much. I mean, you know. Yes, thank you. Your preachers are choir here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you even thinking about me to even continue the conversation. 
I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, Alex, it's been a pleasure to meet you, Kizzy. <laughs> yes, it was a pleasure to meet you too, Mo. I'm so excited about, you know, your home and just big things for in my brother's house and other wonderful projects you have. I'd like to thank my guest, global citizen, Dr. Ramoya Simpson, from her residence on the Caribbean island of Grenada. She continues her work to provide safe, supportive housing and counseling services for veterans of the six U.S. Armed Forces branches and their families at my brother's house. The organization currently has residences in five states and the District of Columbia with additional houses planned. As for Dr. Simpson, she'll be back stateside later this year. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.